you're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. back to another episode of the epic marvel podcast i am your host curtis findley and i'm the black panther host jared abrahamson hi jared it's good to have you back and uh you are this is our first episode for the black panther um as of this recording there is only one black panther epic collection so uh we will be eagerly awaiting for a volume two whenever that comes out but uh, yeah yeah in the meantime it's good to uh good to talk to you about this one did you see the movie? I did. I and how did, how yeah. did you like it? No spoilers, but how did you like it? Right. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty awesome. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Did you see it? I haven't had a chance yet. I was hoping to be able to see it before we recorded, but oh, uh, time true. just didn't w- work out. Um, but that's okay, because we're not really talking about the movie on this podcast anyway. We're, we're going to kind of dive deep into the characters. Yeah. So I unfortunately wasn't able to talk to Don McGregor. I've been emailing back and forth with him. Um, And of course, we timed this episode so that it would come out when the movie came out. But unfortunately, everybody wants to talk with Don McGregor right now. And I should have thought of that ahead of time. So we weren't able to make our schedules meet. But he does want to do something. I just have to wait for things to die down. So uh, we don't have any uh, clips to intersperse in this episode. But keep your eyes open in the feed. Or if you're listening to this in the future, uh, do a search for Don McGregor. And hopefully we'll have an interview episode with him talking about his work on this book in the near future hopefully really soon um i do have one clip of joe sinnett talking about his inking the black panther for this these fantastic four issues and i have one another clip of bob mcleod talking about working with artist billy graham because bob mcleod inked him for a few issues later on so i'll i'll play those when the time comes and then, uh, yeah, so I hope you enjoy that. But uh, anyway, Jared, what can we find in this epic collection? What are we talking about today? This collection contains uh, the Black Panther's first appearance in Fantastic Four, number 52 and 53. And then his solo series in Jungle Action, number 6 through 24. Now, Jungle Action was a... I think it was, was it a reprint book before this? Reprinting old jungle stories from like the 50s yeah. and such? Yeah, and, and I, I think they even had some uh, reprints in with these uh, Black Panther stories as well from the 50s Tarzan knockoff characters. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a cover near the back of Jungle Action number five. It says it reprints Avengers number 62, which is kind of the first appearance of Man-Ape. That's on the cover of that one, Jungle Action 5. It says, at last, T'Challa stars in his own Smash series. So that's technically the first issue of Black Panther's solo series, but it's not reprinted in this book. This starts with Jungle Action number 6. 
I find it kind of interesting. They could have put a few more issues into this because it's one of the thinner epic collections. They could have added that issue with Manape, Avengers right. 62. Yeah, and kept that same cover. <laughs> and they could have too. kept the same cover, exactly, I, because it yeah. would fit with here. A- as it stands right now, there is this large gap between the, the FF issues and the Jungle Action issues where Black Panther is with the Avengers for quite a while and then he returns home. So it's like a, there's a little bit of a disconnect if you're just reading these straight through because a lot of stuff happens in between that those uh, those two issues, those two stories. Right, yeah. Wasn't it uh, like eight or nine years between them? Yeah. When they were published, so. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. there's also, I feel like they could have put in Avengers um, 73 and 74 as well because that's our introduction to Monica Lynn. Mm-hmm. who plays a very big part in this story as well. So I don't know why they decided to skip when we have other epic collections like, let's say, Silver Surfer or The Hulk, which do collect some some of those more pivotal moments before the characters kind of dive into their own solo series. Yeah, but, you know, we can only talk about what we have. <laughs> yep, exactly. So. Um, but it's okay, yeah, eventually we'll talk about those Avengers issues in over mm-hmm. on the Avengers episodes that I'm doing with Tommy. So we'll get to those ones eventually. So, uh, Jared, what do we need to know before diving into this collection? Well, basically just that, uh, I guess, in between the the Fantastic Four stories and the, the jungle action stuff, Black Panther is a member of the Avengers. <laughs> yep. And really, that's all I knew. <laughs> and, you know, he was away from uh, Wakanda for you know, that period of time. And I think that's about it. Yep. Yeah. I think that's, that is kind of all you really need to know. Um, because we are, it's a whole new world that we are being introduced to here. All new characters, except for Monica Lynn, who he meets in the pages of Avengers. Right. And starts to form a relationship. And so when he decides to go back to Wakanda, she goes with him. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It, it was kind of odd reading this collection that I, I didn't really, really realize that they were, you know, together for several issues, <laughs> hmm. you know, that, that she was just sort of there. And then, right. You know, Cause I didn't feel like the, the first issues really set that relationship up, but yeah, maybe we, I just missed something. I don't know. <laughs> well, we can get into that there into the, when we get yeah. into the issues as well. I mean, I think she was a little bit guarded and he was probably a little bit guarded too, just cause he's royalty and she, he's, he's bringing in an outsider. Um, doesn't know how people are going to react to that kind of thing let alone someone who he's romantically involved with. So it's like a double double scandal, maybe. Right. <laughs> uh, the, I think the other important thing to know, just on sort of in the political, like social climate of the day, um, Panther's Rage takes place, it starts in 1973, and the civil rights movement with Martin Luther King Jr. was only like five years before that. Um, like, I mean, I guess it was like kind of in the mid sixties when all the civil rights movement was going on. And then yeah. in, it was in well, 19, 19- that, that was a long, well, long I mean, process. Yeah, so, but... Sorry. Yeah. A long, it's a long process, but that's kind of where it all came to a head. And 1968 was when um, the Supreme court uh, declared segregation to be unconstitutional. Right. And, and then this comes out five years later. And I'm sure there are a lot of people in the States who are still struggling with with that issue. And this comic, 
I think is very political in that sense. Um, this, a lot of the writing that Don McGregor is doing is is trying to further along the the what what the civil rights movement is trying to do and dealing with a lot of those issues, especially when we get to the Klan issues. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we'll get to we'll we'll get to that as well and and sort of unpack some of those themes that they're talking about when we get into those issues. I have some comments on Facebook. I asked people to give their thoughts on this epic collection and what they thought of it. And here's what some people had to say. Kemi said, I really loved it. It does an excellent job in world building and is one of my favorite introduction epics Marvel has uh, so far produced. Um, and Josh says, the world building in Wakanda, including a map and the expansion of T'Challa's rogues gallery beyond Claw and Man-Ape are such a treat with this volume. Don McGregor's Panther's Rage deserves all the praise it has received since its inception, and although it's a bit heavy on exposition, it is a fun, action-packed adventure, complete with dinosaurs and venom. And he says in brackets, Eddie who? Uh, <laughs> yep. So, uh, yeah, I think I, I would agree with both of those comments. They both mentioned the world building, and that is definitely a draw for here. Yeah. Especially after you read the Black Panther issues, the world that uh, comes after that is so vibrant. The second comment you read where he mentioned the little heavy on the exposition. Yep. I can definitely second that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seems Don McGregor really likes words. I, like he was being paid by the word almost. But. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's definitely, if you are used to not having that much exposition, then this might not be your thing because it is very dense. Um, but his writing is very uh, is very eloquent. It's got that pulpy um, narrative to it. And what it does is it informs a lot of what the characters are thinking because there are no there are no thought bubbles in this collection. Anytime that we need to know what the character is thinking, it's told through that exposition. And that's where a lot of the world building comes out. and that's where a lot of Black Panther's character development is because, Black Panther doesn't really say much. He's not an outspoken right. guy. So his actions are how we find out about him. And then the exposition is how his character is developed as well. So it's kind of essential uh, through the way that McGregor writes this character. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it, it took me a couple issues to sort of get into the the swing of it. For Let's sure, say, you know. Yeah, it yeah. took me that too. I had to. Uh, I read a few issues here and there over a couple of weeks, and then once I got into the middle of of Panther's Rage, what issue was it? I think it was issue. It was the one with Salamander Cruel, issue fifteen. Uh, once I got to fifteen, I really got into the groove of it, and I read about a hundred pages in one sitting, and that yeah. was that was pretty <laughs> good. So, um, but yeah, it does take a little bit to get used to at the beginning. It's just a comic from a different era and a different style. So, um, but but well worth it, the time it takes to to go through it. Yeah, definitely. I also have a Twitter poll that I put out. I asked a simple question: Who is your favorite Panthers Rage artist? And I gave only two options, even though there were a couple more. Uh, I gave the um, Rich Buckler and Billy Graham, and people could vote on that. And we got an eighty percent vote for Rich Buckler as the the favorite. Uh, with 20% for Billy Graham. What would your choice be, Jared? 
Well, I, I was just going to say uh, there's no Gil Kane option, but... <laughs> <laughs> he only did one issue, so um, pl yeah. plus the cover, so I didn't... Uh... I didn't put them in there. I only put yeah, I only put those two guys because they are the main two artists in this book here. Right, right. Well, I, I I think the you know the first few issues that Rich Buckler did were were pretty good, and I think the Billy Graham ones. It, he, the first couple I, I felt kind of started off a little shaky, but then he got better by the end. So I I'd yep. probably vote for Billy Graham actually. Okay, that's good. Like you said, he's, he gets a lot better as he goes on, and I think a lot of that is because Bob McLeod starts doing his inking. And before that, he's inked by... Um... Uh, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, Klaus Jensen. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's good. And, and then he starts inking himself, which is a, is a very different style, especially because he's inking himself. But then when Bob McLeod comes on, um, Bob does a lot to, uh, I just, I guess, kind of tighten up the anatomy and the shading and stuff like that. It's just got a little bit more of a, a solid style. But there are pros and cons to that as well. He He's a little bit more traditional, and Billy Graham is definitely more just experimental with his stuff. Some of his panel layouts are just amazing. Yeah, I, I could sort of get a uh, um, Sternenko influence. Oh, yeah. Yep, for sure. Stuff. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Those splash pages with the text... Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Like that straight Jim Stranko. Absolutely. Is working on a character that's mostly dressed in black, like Black Panther, is that easier to do or, or harder? Actually, it's easier, naturally. Black Panther was very easy to do because you didn't have to... Feather in the uh, uh, the muscles or whatever, like on a uh, John Buscema, if he's doing Thor, uh, for example, or uh, especially something with a lot of muscles, like uh, uh, well, Conan is a good example. But no, anything in black, although black, uh, when you add blacks to a, uh, a character or a uh, a page. The blacks do add to a little time because uh, you have to fill in the blacks with, with your brush and your pen or whatever. So that takes extra time, especially if you have to use blacks on your backgrounds or or if you're doing the machinery by Jack Kirby, for example. Filling in the blacks is what takes time, except on a character. A character that that it's much easier and faster to ink that character than it's the backgrounds that that take your time when you have to fill in all the blacks. Got it. Wow. And I like the, I like to balance like I often add blacks where the pencil has not indicated them because uh, I I feel I know how to balance a page blacks. I like to see a well-balanced page. And the first thing I do when I get the page, uh, the pencil page from the uh, uh, penciler, I look to see if there's any, how it's balanced, how the page is balanced, because that's very important uh, to the reader, I think, and, and to the artist, because it, it uh, hey, it just makes a, 
a, a better-looking page. So the first issue, we're going to talk about the Fantastic Four issues together, issue 52 and 53, um, because they are not kind of the focus of the book. Um, so let's just get kind of get through them. This is our introduction to the Black Panther. Uh, the Fantastic Four are given a gift, um, a super high-tech flying plane that's uh, run on magnetic waves as an invitation to come to this this country, Wakanda, that they've never been to before. But while they are there, they are attacked by this guy, the Black Panther. That's kind of the first issue. He takes them all out pretty easily. And then in the second issue, 53, it's a, a telling of sort of his origin story and how his fa father is killed by Ulysses Claw, who's there to collect vibranium. We get to learn all about vibranium. And then I guess everybody's attacked by claw creatures and and eventually claws defeated but that's that's the basis of it we don't need to talk about the subplots with the inhumans or anything like that um what are your thoughts here on these two issues the origin of the black panther well you know we should say that it's stanley and jack kirby from, oh yeah from their prime the, yeah their prime i mean this is right after uh the galactus story right yep and it's uh it's pretty pretty great i mean just you know, for the era, I should say, not want to, I don't want to downplay it, but you know, Kirby and Stan Lee were fantastic team, but, um, and I, I feel like the, the setting that they came up with of Wakanda, um, you know, the, it's in the middle of the African jungle, but there's whole, uh, a lot of super technology that's, you know, it's not what you would think, you know, not yeah. what, uh, other stories that take place in Africa have or had at that time or before. So I, I, I think that's really original. I, I like Black Panther. He He's sort of weird looking with the cape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just because we're not used to that. Right, right. I, I guess I wouldn't even know what uh, his second appearance was if he had the, the caper at all for that. But uh, anyways, uh, yeah, the villain Claw, he didn't make a huge impression on me in this story at all but i guess it yeah. was more focused on black panther anyways right i guess it's probably his next appearance when when he has his costume and everything when he actually has his powers that he is a little bit more formidable yeah i i thought these were fine issues as well they they're they're a lot of fun um they're definitely a product of their time in a lot yes. of places just dealing with the way they're they are talking about African culture. And um, the thing that rubbed me the wrong way the most here is is the thing's attitude towards all of this. He was just written oh, yeah. so incredibly disrespectful to, to everything that was going on. Um, like when they're sitting with the dancers, he's like, oh, geez, a bunch of Fred Astaire's they ain't. Like, holy cow, right. that's just, that's <laughs> so inappropriate. And just the way he's talking and he's like, T'Challa is starting to tell his story and like right away he's like lets out this huge yawn it's like I can't help myself I saw this a million in a million jungle movies like wow holy cow <laughs> so, yeah that, that is <laughs> like I know Ben Grimm has an attitude and says things that he's a little gruff and stuff like that but he's never usually that disrespectful so I thought that was a little odd but you know I can yeah. I can uh, forgive it for being something from the 60s <laughs> <laughs> right well, let's not dwell on this anymore. Uh, when eventually, when Eric and I t tackle the, it's probably I think the third volume 
or maybe the fourth volume of Fantastic Four, the Epic Collection, is not quite out yet. We'll talk more in more detail about these issues. But why don't we head on over to Jungle Action number six? And do you want to give us an intro for this one? It's uh, Black Panther. He returns to Wakanda after you know a long time being gone and being a member of the Avengers. He saves an old man from uh, from some some goons, and the old man dies. But you know says how great it is that Black Panther has returned. Then you know we're introduced to a bunch of characters that will be important later on, like uh, Wakabi, Taku, and Monica Lin. And then they go out and show him different villages and stuff that Killmonger has uh, been ravaging and destroying and all that. And then Black Panther goes to uh, confront Killmonger, and they have a fight at a waterfall with a white leopard and Killmonger. And then Killmonger throws him over the edge to be continued. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so right away, leads you right into action and introduces you to a ton of new characters. And um, I always find it difficult with a a cast full of characters with foreign names that I'm not used to, just keeping them straight, keeping their names, just remembering. And that goes for like, whether it's Japanese and anime that I'm watching or whatever. It's just because those names are not so familiar to me. But by the end of the book you get a very good sense because they are all very distinct, unique characters. Um, and you, uh, but right off the bat, it, I had to, I think I had to write them down just to make a, to remind myself who's, who's who. <laughs> and you know, that, that also happens like with, uh, with Thor, you know, Oh yes. Yep. Yep. For sure. Full stag and all those guys, like it kind of gets <laughs> confusing. So, but it's good. And Rich Buckler's is art is just is fantastic. He's a good choice to uh, to start this story off because he's a very solid storyteller. Um, his action is fun and exciting, um, and and he does a really great job. Yeah, and it's neat to yeah. see um, the Panther kind of in his environment because if you've been following along, uh, people who had been reading Avengers only really knew Black Panther in the city and what he's mm-hmm. like there. So. In this, now we get him back to his roots. We can see how he interacts with nature and how he interacts with his with his own culture, uh, and it's really neat. And one thing, there's really no uh, no super technology in this issue, or you know, several of them coming up, you know, for the for a while, anyways. And there's really not a whole lot through the the rest of the the collection, you know, compared to the fantastic four issues yeah it's back to basics right it's kind of getting down to the very core of who these people are and what they do um and sure they have they have technology to help enhance some areas of their life but they for the most part they've kept their culture very distinct yeah this is the first killmonger as well what do you think of uh eric killmonger as a villain i i I think he's uh great character i mean super interesting just his his motive and and all that and i mean you'll have to you know see the movie (laughs) because he shows up but right and they do pull certain things from the book into the movie but i don't want to talk about that because you haven't seen it yet (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and and i think that 
that one splash page of, I guess it's basically his introduction when he's, uh, you know, with the, the leopard behind him and, and he's got Panther on the ground. Swinging you know, his uh, uh, spiked whatever it is <laughs> belt. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty great image. It is. You know, yeah. yeah. He's an interesting character because he blasts the Panther for spending too much time outside of his world and for bringing in technology, like out Outworlders technology. But he himself chooses a name, Eric Killmonger, that's very Western. Um, yeah. And there's this weird kind of, um, I don't know, a little bit of hypocrisy in that sense that he is, he is uh, accepting some of the Western culture but not all of all of it like he picks and chooses right i mean cause, yeah because don't they give his uh original name at some point it's yeah like they do i think it's in the something. next issue yeah when we <laughs> yeah, get probably. we'll get there in a second okay yeah yeah but just before we move on to the next issue um the final page of this issue is a map of the land of wakanda uh with a close-up yeah. of central wakanda where the palace is this is a really cool addition, and if you like, put a bookmark here and flip back to it in each issue, you can follow the path that they're taking because it all is laid out in this map where where Panther's quest takes him through, you know, Serpent Valley and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, huh. it's really cool to to go back and look at it, look at it all. It's nice when things are really thought out like that. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Okay, Jungle Action Number Seven. This issue is called Death Regiments Beneath Wakanda. And in this one, Black Panther, he is thrown off the waterfall by Eric Killmonger um, and survives, of course, because he has to. This is his book. Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the third issue in the book. So. <laughs> he starts to follow people and finds out that um, that Killmonger's men are hollowing out the vibranium mountain from the inside uh, and taking it all and that's Wakanda's biggest resource so they can't lose it in mass quantities like that and when he tries to stop them he's confronted by this new villain called Venom and no it's not the Spider-Man villain it is a character that came out well before um, Eddie Brock ever entered the scene and this character yep. is very, very interesting because he has such a great character arc through this whole story. And we'll get to that when we when we get to those issues. But uh, he, he's basically a guy that has worked with snakes so much that he that he can control them or they listen to him like he like a like a dog would obey its owner. Should say that it's I, I guess I think of him as uh, Venom because there's two M's at the end. Yes, there are two ends yeah. at the end. <laughs> so, yeah, a way to differ- differentiate between him and Eddie Brock. But <laughs> it's kind of like, again, I, I really like the, the big splash pages that they do throughout this book. Yeah. Uh, the the one where he has, the Venom has uh, Black Panther at the end of the rope and he's like swinging him off the cliff or whatever. And, yep. you know, the snakes wrapped around him and <laughs> very dynamic. Really yeah. 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 Well, and the the double page spread that opens this issue where you see the waterfall and you have to turn the book sideways. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's a great layout because in the background you see the waterfall, but then you have these inset panels that show the panther falling uh, to, to indicate the passage of time yeah. as he falls down 
um, that's really cool. And then there's other things like there's the one page halfway through where Panther's on his throne and a bunch of his guys are kind of sitting around and there are these like cauldrons that have smoke coming up and he, and um, right. the the letterer has placed the 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 text um, inside the smoke and it just kind of divides up the panels a little bit so that's it's kind of cool too yeah did we mention that uh, venom is is captured at the end of the issue by by Black Panther oh yeah yeah because that sort of becomes important in this next issue <laughs> <laughs> right jungle action number eight called Malice by Crimson Moonlight. And that title page is, you know, another two-page spread. It's beautiful. Giant letters. Yeah. Yeah, all in in, in red. It's it's pretty great. <laughs> and each letter is its own panel. Like, it, if you follow through the letters, it tells a little story. Um, right. Of, it, of Malice, this new character, Malice, coming into Wakanda. It's really neat. Yeah. The, the plot of the issue is... Uh, Malice is going to the the palace to break out Venom, but meanwhile Black Panther decides to do a ritual to uh, regain his Panther powers, or maybe it's not regain, but like keep them at the same level they're at. I think I I was a little confused by that, but apparently he has to do this twice a year. I think they said that at the end of oh. in one of the the later I- issues. So just just to keep his his powers steady yeah they're pretty vague about it yeah yeah okay but uh during the ritual monica interrupts and wakabi (laughs) is very upset about that but anyways they go back to the palace and have a big fight with venom and malice uh malice escapes but venom does not and wakabi is about to kill venom at the end but black panther talks him down from it and wakabi is kind of his the head of his security yeah and 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 i felt he was you know one of the more interesting uh ancillary characters oh yeah he's got a really neat arc as well yeah and and also um this issue had a flashback to venom's origin you know, and and you see how Venom meets up with uh, uh, Killmonger, and this is where we find out. Let's see what his name is, because uh, Venom's real name is Horatio, and Killmonger's yeah. real name is uh, Enjadaka. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, Venom he's uh, he's sort of a sympathetic character because someone threw acid on his face when he was in junior high. So he's been scarred, like his face is purposely like that. Um, it's not a mask or anything like that. And he's had to live his entire young adult life um, being horribly scarred. And I think that affected him in in, a, in quite a few ways. There were uh, a couple times in this issue where I kind of found it a little hard to read because it seemed like it was switching between scenes in odd places, but I think yeah. one of the important things to know, and I didn't really figure out this till the end of the book, but uh, each issue um, is one month real time, and so we we oh, get right. we get one story, and then I know this one ended on a cliffhanger, but time passes, 
Venom Venom was captured in this in the last issue, but in this issue, it's um, he's been in jail for a month already, and then in the next issue, another month passes between between issues. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that go on here. So Monica now has been in Wakanda for a couple of months, and she's really feeling the kind of some oppression. And the the big story that she had in Avengers seventy three seventy four was about the about the civil rights movement and people accepting uh, African Americans in in everyday society. Um, but then she, so she feels like an outsider there because uh, white America doesn't want her to be there. But then she comes to Wakanda, and she also feels out of place because they don't want outer worlders to be in their country as well. Hmm. So no matter where she goes, she is an outsider, and uh, that's something that she struggles with throughout this this story here. Hmm. Yeah, I, I've never read those. Avengers issues. That sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, you should check them yeah. out if you if you get a chance. Uh, one yeah. of my favorite lines in this book is on this page on page eighty seven, um, uh-huh. where Black Panther says, "Too many people warp the word heritage. They use it to mean superiority when it is only meant to give one identity." And I think that's right. something that still is seen today. A lot of people, and it doesn't just apply to heritage. It it can apply to social status, or it could apply to religion. Like it could p- apply to so many different things, where people use it, use that, where it's supposed to be a part of your identity, but warp it to 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 lord it over somebody else. I I did see that. I mean, I made note of that uh, that line, and I <laughs> that probably is maybe the best line in the whole book. <laughs> honestly so yeah yeah because it's that's absolutely true <laughs> so. yeah uh closing out this issue we have that map again they make a note saying you might have missed it in the other issue so we're printing it again or or it's like the uh they had an extra page to fill <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right there are a couple of minor changes if you flip back if you compare them but nothing major but then you also yeah. get a map of the inside of uh the palace and it's cool to take a look at that. And also, you can put place a bookmark here as well. And anytime there's action inside the palace, you can you can follow it along. They they lay it out pretty good there too. Yeah. The next issue is uh, Jungle Action number nine, and it's called "But Now the Spears Are Broken." And it opens with a great rhino fight between Black Panther and a rhinoceros. It's just so good. Yeah. And he ends up saving a little boy, a farmer's son. But then the farmer ends up um, dying in a few pages later. He's killed by Baron Macabre, who is uh, who can control the dead, apparently, or something like that. This family, this little farm- farming family, ends up being uh, very important to the story in a couple of different ways. So we got to keep keep our eyes on the the mother and the son. Yeah. And this issue is penciled by Gil Kane, and it's very well done, especially that rhino scene at the beginning. Right. Yeah, uh, Gil Kane has always been one of my favorite artists of of this era, especially. I, I think he's pretty great. Yeah, you know, I, I I love how he does uh, faces. You know, and there's yep some of that in here, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's great. Yeah. He's good at uh, um, so like really good tension, 
and mm-hmm. um, and his his battle sequences are always well laid out as well. Yeah, and that that rhino fight at the beginning is <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah, but then sad because T'Challa has to kill the rhino at the end. So yeah, we also see here at the very end of this issue, Zatama, one of his his uh, men, is killed by a spear like inside the palace so there's something going on on the inside and then later on monica is accused of being the killer i guess we don't know that it's a setup at this point well (laughs) i mean you'd assume but we can i think we can assume pretty safely even in this one issue that it's a setup because because of the tension that's already being um displayed earlier in these in these issues here What's neat is we're five issues, we're four issues in, and we've had a new villain each issue. We had uh, Killmonger, then Venom, then Malice, and now Baron Macabre, and and they the villains just keep on coming. Don McGregor really builds up uh, an incredible rogues gallery for the Black Panther, and I honestly have no idea if any of these characters come back late in later runs of Black Panther. Yeah, me neither. I, <laughs> you know, I, I guess I do know that. Claw and Black or uh, Killmonger show up again. But... Oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Those yeah. two are the big guys, but all of these other characters, and especially yeah, the more of the ones that come along later on. Like, do they ever show up? They should because they're they're kind of cool. Yeah, and they could be de- definitely some of them could be developed a little bit more. But yeah, isn't there a like a Fantastic Four villain named M- Malice? That's sort of oh, like yeah. a mind control thing. I'm... Yeah, that's um, who is that? Is it Psycho Man that takes over uh, Sue Storm's or Sue Richards' mind, and she has yeah the malice personality? Yeah, okay, but that's totally unconnected to this. Yeah, so. very unconnected. <laughs> yeah, in fact, a lot of these characters have uh, names that are taken by <laughs> other villains later on. Jungle action number ten. The title is. King Cadaver is dead and living in Wakanda. I love that. <laughs> dead <Yeah. laughs> and living. Yep. So T'Challa is brooding by a river and he's attacked by a crocodile. So again, we have a pretty cool animal fight to open the issue. There's one in like every issue. A cool yeah. animal fight. It's really great. <laughs> Different animal <laughs> every yeah. time. But, you know, and it just seems like. I guess this book is called Jungle Action, so you would expect him to fight <laughs> jungle animals. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. After the fight, there's some more development with the murder subplot. So then uh, after that, Black Panther uh, returns to the, the graveyard to uh, reclaim the body of the farmer from the last issue. And then he goes underground where he faces off with... Uh, Baron uh, Macabre and King Cadaver. And then after fighting them for a couple pages, he discovers that Killmonger has been using this underground tunnel system to steal a bunch of the Wakandan uh, weapons, you know, the fancy high technology weapons. Right. Let me just say, I love the design of King Cadaver. <laughs> It's yeah. so weird. <laughs> it is so weird. It seems so out of place for this book. Um, because none of the other characters look this bizarre and grotesque. It's, it's, it's just so strange. And I love his like fancy outfit full of bling that he's he's wearing as well. <laughs> right, yeah. 
but yeah, he's a he's an interesting character. It's neat coming. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll find out more about him later. We find out that Baron Macabra is just a mask. Like he he breaks it open and it's just a person. But then we also find out that King Cadaver is not wearing a mask. He that he's he's his face is actually that distorted. Yeah, and and just the way it's uh it's described, you know, when <laughs> Black Panther grabs his his head and it's like the swollen inhuman face swarms oh, yeah. beneath beneath his hands like I don't know. <laughs> gross <laughs> right yeah the dude totally looks like he's made out of i don't know like a moldy apple or totally <laughs> you know I yeah know. yeah and how he got that way is very interesting i think that's told in a couple issues from now i i was i was actually kind of surprised that baron macabra is wearing a mask you know because like i guess the way it's drawn it doesn't really look like a mask but yeah yeah and it's just some normal dude underneath uh so yeah. we have this is the first issue with billy graham art and mm. um his style fits in really nicely and i think a lot of that is the consistency of klaus jansen doing the inking um because he's been the consistent inker through rich buckler uh gil kane and now billy graham and so that uh i think that helps keep the book bring the book together you know i, I was kind of surprised to see uh klaus jansen like his name on this i didn't realize he went went back that far <laughs> yeah and but... he doesn't have the heavy like the heavy brush inking style that he's kind of known for like in daredevil and such so this right. must be pretty early on in his career you know certainly the earliest stuff that i've noticed him on when they were talking about the um um the murder and monica being accused and such um they're going through like t'challa has the weapon and he makes his little note like it, they're really good at like laying those clues right what does he say there's something familiar and nagging about the spear but i can't place what and i can't place this greasy substance smeared on it either so right at that point yeah. i'm like okay i can figure this out i know what it is so i go back and on a page 103 of this collection in panel two you can see um, the person who's taken, like they have these like shish kebabs, I guess, or something like that. Like they're on skewers and they're using these, um, they're decorative. So they look like spears, but you can see in that panel, the person who's taking away the spears is holding just the tip by the tip of her finger as to not to leave any fingerprints on that spear yeah. there. So it's uh well planned right. from that point that, uh, Mon they're trying to plant this on Monica. Right. Yeah. Cause like the, the page before, you know. Uh, page 101 you sh you see them uh eating <laughs> yeah exactly so you that's know, where she gets the... puts the fingerprints on the spear and then it's right, taken yeah. away and not cleaned it's just uh they use that as the murder weapon okay final thing about this yeah. issue we have a page um two bonus pages that were printed in this issue one is the original version of black panther that that uh jack kirby drew back when they were going to call him the cold tiger and I'm so glad that they changed the, the <laughs> costume and such, because this one looks so ridiculous compared to the just the sleek black uh, outfit right. that he has later on. Yeah, it's 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 pretty goofy looking. <laughs> yep. Let's move on to Jungle Action number eleven. This is part six of uh, Panther's Rage, and it's called Once You Slay the Dragon. Um, again, with a nice. Uh, title page 
that uh, has a very kind of um, Stranko feel to it. Uh, yeah, he always really played with uh, his titles and incorporated them into the pictures. Um, not always, but often. Some of his more iconic ones, like in Captain America, he did that. Yeah. Let's see here. So in this issue, Black Panther leads a team into Njadaka, and uh, that's Killmonger's village where he's kind of set up shop. Um, it used to have a different name, but I guess he's now named it Njadaka, which is his real name. And here he meets Lord Carnage. And it's kind of funny that we have Venom and Carnage in this collection, but it's not the Spider-Man Venom and Carnage. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> and, and totally not spelled the same either. Yep, in completely. Either one of their cases. Yep, yeah. exactly. But yeah, so in the other portion of this story is Monica, I guess um, between issues, we find out that um, the the whole case between her uh, and being framed for murder has been solved. Um, because like we said, this jumps from month to month. So after a quick fight with Baron Macabre at the very beginning of this issue, it turns into a flashback that, tell, that tells us that uh, the Monica Lynn storyline has been resolved, that she was indeed set up by Tanzika, who is uh, one of the people who worked in the palace. Yeah, she was involved with the the guy that she murdered, and I guess it didn't, didn't end well. <laughs> and... <laughs> And she uh, just decided to, hey, if I'm going to kill this guy anyways, why why not frame this woman I don't like? <laughs> Whoa, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> right? Yeah. So this is um, this issue is the first time they kind of bring the battle to Killmonger. So usually now it's uh, um, it has been Black Panther kind of discovering things and Killmonger sending his goons after Black Panther, but now they take it to his turf go into his village and it's kind of a it's a big war that they start here and yeah. the kind of the most pivotal thing is that um this is where taku has uh, kind of a his character arc really takes a turn um because there is a boy that is caught in the line of fire and ends up being killed and that really affects taku right um, uh, and so yeah it's a it's another political statement here about war and its effects on just the citizens in the countries where war is being fought. Right. And, and, and also there's a bit with uh, Wakabi and, you know, in previous issues, he was always criticizing uh, Black Panther and, and what he was doing and, you know, not doing enough and all that. And then with this one, he's like, Hey, it's a good idea that we're doing this. I'm right there with you. So his his view and Taku's views kind of switch on this issue, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's just pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, that is. That is interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a turning point of this story here because we go from uh, setup to, to action um, to like taking control of things. And um, Black Panther now has a has a different purpose, a different quest that he's going to go on for the next few issues here. So do you want right. to take us through issue 12? The the two main henchmen of Killmonger that we haven't really talked about, but they've been in, I think, pretty much every issue. And They were on the very first page of Jungle Action. Right, they, yeah. <laughs> they were the ones who strung up the, the old man that Black Panther uh, saves. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they've been there pretty much the whole time, but they haven't been really important until this issue. <laughs> yeah, so this is... 
Teyete and Kazibi. Black Panther gets them to show him where uh, uh, Killmonger is because he wasn't in the village in the last issue. So they're on a quest to you know track Killmonger down, and Killmonger is taking uh, King Cadaver to uh, what is it? The Altar of Resurrection, where a guy named Somber is and. During during this, you know, Black Panther does catch up with them, and it's a very uh, Temple of Doom style room, you know. And they're lowering Cadaver into this pit to, I guess that's what they did to make him the way he is. But Black Panther attacks him, and Somber touches Black Panther, and then he wakes up, and he's surrounded by wolves, and the wolves are about to eat him, but he fights them off. And that's the end of the issue. <laughs> so the the cool thing here, we find out how King Cadaver became King Cadaver. Mm-hmm. There's this uh, ceremony that happens. I, I guess some a star or like a meteor had landed in Wakanda at some point, and it gives off a level of radiation, and yeah. they've turned it into some sort of an altar, and they lower people into this pit where the meteor crashed. And it affects them in some way, and the mass amount of radiation has is what has uh, disfigured King Cadaver. And I think right. I think it's implied that the other people get some of their powers from this way as well. Um, yeah, I, I think they they mentioned that the that guy Somber, who I mean, it looks like he's wearing a mask, but it's <laughs> apparently it's his real face. The, <laughs> looks like a bat cat thing something know, yeah big vampire teeth anyways i, I think it, they mentioned that's why he is the way he is and i think salamander cruel in a couple of issues i think he's all bubbly and bumpy because of this as well right um right but i don't so. know if people like malice or uh like lord carnage i don't know if they get any of their abilities through this process yeah i'm not sure either yeah so the other part of this story is uh just one page Monica's story is spread out throughout the rest of these issues, just in one one or two pages, while Black Panther is on this month-long quest, or months-long quest, rather. Um, so she goes and visits Karota and Cantu, and that's the mother and son of the farmer who was killed earlier in, in the story, because they're having some issues, of course, now that that her husband is, is dead. So he, she, just, yeah. <laughs> she just goes because she wants to try and, and help or make amends but um, experiences more of the prejudice that she has felt from, especially from her before. Um, right. And so, yeah, that's just the one page that'll, and that that story continues later on. And and also, I guess earlier in the issue, when they're Black Panther and uh, Tayeti and Kazibi, they're crossing a dangerous frozen river, and uh, Tayeti is about to fall into it, but Black Panther saves him, and that's that's something. Is in the in the next issue or a couple issues later, where you know it just shows the difference between Killmonger and Black Panther, because later on there's a similar thing where Killmonger like tosses Tayeti into a you know the sludge with the dinosaurs. But anyway, I, I just thought right, it was right. sort of yeah an interesting comparison between the two characters it's a turning point for them too because they generally they i mean they gradually come around to black panther's way of thinking as the rest of this book goes on they start off as villains but then 
yeah, they, they slowly have a change of heart because of this main action right here, I think. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah, up next we have issue number 13. It's called The God Killer. And uh, we, we pick up Black Panther is still in the frozen Arctic and is battling just uh, some of Killmonger's guys. But he's following Somber because Somber, I guess, is running away from Black Panther. But he leads Somber leads Black Panther right into a valley of white gorillas. And um, then they start talking about something that I didn't know existed in the Black Panther mythology is that there's uh, a couple of different regions in Wakanda and each of them have their own sort of religion. And so there's the Panther religion. And then there's the gorilla religion that he's now stumbled upon where um, people place a lot of importance on the sacred gorillas, the white gorillas that are here in this land. Yeah. Isn't that what uh, the man-ape? M'Baku. M'Baku. Yeah. So, yeah, he's the man-ape. So I don't know if um, the movie, because I know M'Baku's in the movie, right? Yes. Um, And... Does, do they go into these different regions and uh, talk about that a little bit? Yeah, they they mention there are, uh, I guess, five different tribes in Wakanda that all got together. Well, that's yeah. good. <laughs> nice. So we, we further along Monica's story as well because they take Karota to the modern hospital that's in Wakanda that's stocked with Western medicine and that kind of stuff because her tribal herbalists are not... Uh, doing their job they're not curing her illness so, but um Kuroda's very um, against trying uh outsiders um techniques and stuff like that so but uh, eventually she does she gets stuck with a needle kind of against her will and she doesn't like that very much and i don't blame her right yeah i, I don't like getting stuck with needles either but i, I guess i haven't had that reaction of <laughs> running away and... <laughs> right um the the last subplot in this issue is that we we take a look at Wakabi and what he's up to. And he, he and his wife, um, Chandra, are having some problems. And uh, they, they kind of stand on different ends of what should be done about the situation here. She thinks that he's too heavily into all of this war stuff that's going on. Is this the, the first time we, we see her? I think so, yeah. Okay. And, yeah. They, have, and they have two kids as well. Two kids, right. And this is kind of a sign of Wakanda's unraveling. Like, there's so many things that are going right now, and um, a, a result of Black Panther being gone for months on trying to catch up with Killmonger, but also um, Killmonger's influence is now being felt just in the dissension of, of different people within Wakandan community. And uh, this is a good example. Um, what's happening to Taku is a good example now, being affected by the war. Um, and right. and what's happening between uh, Monica and Kuroda as well is is a result of all of this, I think, also. So there is putting some strain on the people who are are left behind without any real leadership. Yeah, Black Panther is trying to to save everybody by stopping Killmonger, but he is sort of. But he's also ignoring people by, right. by being away <laughs> for so long. There's a pinup at at the end with Venom, but. They like Venom is the only white guy <laughs> in the <laughs> the whole this whole story, and yeah. they they colored him, you know, they colored him not brown. white. Yeah, that's so yeah. weird. Um, the Venom font that they use is very similar to the Venom font that you know Spider-Man Venom gets on his series. Yes, yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, 
I guess it just makes me wonder if uh, Venom has ever met Venom. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, issue 14, um, titled There Are Serpents Lurking in Paradise. And it uh, starts with Black Panther has been tracking Somber. They they fight. They're now in some deep jungle marshland. They fight, and Somber gets stuck in the marsh, and he sinks down, seemingly dead. Uh, Black Panther continues on, and he meets this little guy uh, by the name of Mokadi, uh, who tags along. Killmonger's evil plan involves dinosaurs, and the dinosaurs are all stuck in the sludge. Black Panther catches up to Killmonger, and they let out a T-Rex, and then he fights the T-Rex for the rest of the issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like, holy cow, this is awesome. Dinosaurs now. Um, right. Some people might find it a little ridiculous, but uh, I don't know. I love dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, dinosaurs are great. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know that there were other dinosaurs outside of the Savage Land in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I don't know how... Uh... I don't know if this is being retconned or what the explanation here is, but yeah, there are dinosaurs in Wakanda. Yeah, that like apparently the the Wakandans didn't even know about. Right, they must not travel yeah. outside their little zone. Maybe this is right. one of the tribes. Is the, the is, is the is there a dinosaur tribe? Dinosaurs were not brought up in the movie. Oh, okay, <laughs> too bad. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe part two. So I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> So this Modokai is kind of a, he reminded me a lot of Rafiki from The Lion King. Oh, sure. Yeah. This guy who kind of, um, because he's like hanging out in the trees, but also he kind of speaks in riddles and is this spiritual mentor of, of sorts to Black Panther. That's just what I what I recall <laughs> from, from this issue here. I have no idea if he ever shows up again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know Beyond. either. I, I kind of thought his design, he sort of looked to me like a... You know, you see old, like, 30s cartoons, you know, and he, he seemed very much a sort of the black caricature, you know, from, from the 30s. Yeah, he's definitely more, um, his design is more caricatured, for sure. He definitely yeah. looks like he is um, very specific, uh, like, almost a comedic kind of design to go with his sort of uh, awkward and um, unusual behavior, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure, like, what his purpose is. Yeah, he was just kind of there in this only this issue, and then he goes away. And I wonder if maybe he's not even there. I wonder if Black Panther is all in Black Panther's mind. <clears throat> but yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, because, I mean, th this has been a grueling trip for him, and he continues to get messed up more and more every issue. So. Yep, yep. Um, the other little part in this issue to to note is that um ataku and venom uh have been forming this relationship right over the time like they the, he taku's been visiting venom in, in the prison and just trying to kind of break in break through to him to get him to kind of change his ways or whatever um i don't exactly know what he sees in venom but there he sees something there that he feels like he can he can fix or he can what's the word rehabilitate right the anatomy on some of these dinosaurs is just a little off um the t-rex right yeah it doesn't look like a t-rex in a lot of these things but that's a uh very minor <laughs> yeah minor 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. A T Rex did not have a a, a horn like a rhinoceros. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. The next issue, issue number fifteen, is called "Thorns in the Flesh, Thorns in the Mind." And again, we start right in the middle of an of the action. Um, Salamander Cruel has been hunting Black Panther. Yeah. And, and gets him with a with an arrow or something like that but it's not enough to take panther out anyway they have a battle oh uh isn't the the arrow like have a exploding tip <laughs> yes too? and eventually through the battle black panther gets caught and this is where i really noticed the heavy exposition acting as uh, black panther's inner monologue um although it's still uh omniscient narrator it's not it's not black panther narrating but uh, it really gets inside what, what he's thinking as he's tied up and kind of the psychological uh, issues that, that he's going through as he's, you know, baking in the sun in the desert, tied up against cactuses that are poking into him and stuff. Right, yeah. It's pretty good. We have some really cool page layouts here. Is, and I think this is the first issue where Billy Graham, oh no, Dan Green is the inker of this one. Um, but yeah, there are some really, really cool panel layouts. Like every page here, is is very artistic like if you go there's the page with uh with with the lizard that's climbing over black panther's hand it's on page, right. it's on yeah. page 207 there's another one where he's flashing back to a uh, time that he's talking to his dad and those panels are kind of hazy like his mind is hazy because he's in the sun the pterodactyl's uh, silhouette that's in on one page, page 209. There's just really, really cool things going on. He's being very experimental, and and it's paying off. I think it looks great. And one of my favorite oh, yeah. pages is on page 212, the scene okay. where Wakabi and, and Chandra are talking to each other. And there's a lot of panels on this page, but all of it is kind of a conversation that's all told in pantomime with a little bit of, of uh, McGregor's dialogue. But uh, here's where you can really tell uh, Billy Graham's uh, sense of, of acting through still pictures because you can tell exactly what's going on here. The fight he has with the pterodactyl is also really cool too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but, really cool. But... It's very ni- nice, nicely laid out. Yeah. And then at the end of this issue, Killmonger and King Cadaver finally get home to the village to find out that it has been completely destroyed uh, because of the war in the, pre- in the previous issue. And this yeah. is kind of where they say that we're going to take matters into their own hands. Black Panther also returned back to the uh, to the palace. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, he goes he... home after months of being away. Right. He finally comes home, and he's, like, almost dying. Right. And, and I guess for the... It says, like, for the last two days, he was dragging the unconscious body of salamander cruel <laughs> oh man yeah. so yeah, yeah. he's a tough guy <laughs> he sure is okay uh issue 16 called and all our past decades have seen revolutions and again with the very stranko <laughs> font on the the title t'challa and monica share a romantic swim and meanwhile Taku and Wakabi are in Venom's cell interrogating him on how he and Killmonger got into the country. Apparently, Black Panther helped Killmonger move, which I thought was pretty hilarious. 
because he wasn't a bad guy back then. It was right. all, it was all a ruse. Like he was just he knew who Black Panther knew who he was before he changed his name to Killmonger. Right. But that story, I thought that maybe that story was told in the pages of Avengers, but it I don't think it is. I think this is because Killmonger's first appearance was in Jungle Action. Right. Yeah, it happened between issues in Avengers at some point. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I just love the the panel where Killmonger and uh, Black Panther are going upstairs and they're both carrying bunches of boxes and, and stuff. So <laughs> yeah. hopefully he got a, a beer or a pizza out of it at the end. <laughs> right. Yeah. But really Killmonger's just trying to take over his country. So <laughs> yeah. Anyways, during the story, Venom uses it as as a distraction to uh, to escape, and he, he takes Taku as a human shield, and then he escapes. Wakabi is is seriously hurt, and then Black Panther goes after Venom, and he fights one of his snakes. Uh, Venom is about to kill Black Panther when Taku shows up and convinces convinces Venom not to, and Venom leaves this is the real turning point for venom here yeah and i've seen discussions online where people suspect that that there is a like a homosexual subtext here between taku and venom like Hmm. there's there's more than just a friendship going on here and that's part of the reason why venom kind of turns at the end of this issue um, because of uh, because taku kind of steps in and um yeah it definitely wouldn't have been okay um, at this point in comics to outwardly say that there's a homosexual relationship. But I think that there, yeah, it, it, if you look at it in that view, in that light, there could definitely be something there. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it comes up, um, especially later on in, in, I think, the last issue of this of this story. Uh, they uh-huh. just, they have a conversation that, that says a lot through their body language and that kind of thing. And the other thing here is that Venom gets very philosophical. He is actually a fairly smart guy, and you don't think that because of just the way he looks and the fact that he hangs out with snakes or whatever, but but he actually has some really good things to say in terms of revolutions and their purpose and, and what good they do, whether you want him to or not. Like they, He says revolutions actually do make a difference, and I just think that he... Uh, he does. It doesn't matter what side you're on. Any time that the revolution, a revolution happens, um, good comes out of it because change, change is necessary. Yeah, you kind of hate to see revolutions be so violent, but <laughs> but I guess sometimes yeah. they need to be. But. I think so. But in this case, I mean, it's um, the revolution is happening against the good guys, and so that's an interesting thing, though, because the revolution right. is going to turn out to be um, a good change for for everybody here uh, it shows Black Panther a few things um, which we'll talk about when we get to the the last issue but uh, you know the bad guys well spoiler alert the bad guys don't take over um, so the revolution is quote unquote <laughs> a failure but it's still still some good still does come out of it I, I found this was a nice kind of a breather episode even though there was a little snake battle Black Panther got to rest a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah, it it just was a nice... And they, there was a good moment between him and Monica at the beginning um, when they're, you know, swimming on those sea turtles and sitting on the beach. It's like, it's just a... 
it's the calm before the storm because next up things really start happening basically the next one is the the climax of the of this story oh and this is also sorry just before we go on this is yeah. also the issue where venom says that he's been in jail for a year and that's what really clued me in to the fact that uh um, each issue is kind of a month a month apart because this is the 11th chapter of the story um so it's been about a year and he was captured almost right at the very beginning of the story uh, right the, the second issue yeah so maybe yeah. yeah maybe time's a little fudged here and there but it's been roughly a year that all of this has taken place right okay let's move on to number 17 this is part 12 of panther's rage called of shadows and rages and this is again billy graham um full art drawing and or penciling and inking killmonger has brought his army to central wakanda the army is not just people but he has an army of dinosaurs and he has brought them all to kind of rampage through the city lots of destruction here he faces off against black panther so this is the climax of the movie or of the whole story here black panther and killmonger return to uh, warrior falls which is the waterfall where th everything first took place at the, in the first chapter or the second chapter uh, and they have their final battle the pivotal moment and there's a huge splash page to go along with it um, is when killmonger is holding black panther up high and is ready to push him over the edge but then unbeknownst to him Cantu the little boy who we've been following through the course of this story, whose, uh, whose father, the farmer, was killed uh, in like the first issue, sneaks up behind Killmonger and pushes him off the waterfall. His character arc is really interesting because he's been slowly dwelling on this and it's been boiling up inside of him how much he hates Killmonger for everything he's done uh, to the point where he's willing to, as a child, take a, take a life. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then also all of the villains are in this issue. Right. <laughs> yeah. Big jailbreak. <laughs> yeah. There's a huge jailbreak. And so Venom's here along with Malice, Lord Carnage, King Cadaver, Salamander Cruel, uh, who gets crushed by a rock <laughs> right at the very beginning. Right. Like um, immediately. <laughs> immediately. Yeah. I think that's the one panel that he's in is he's being crushed by a rock and Malice is like, sorry, I can't help you. Yep. And then uh, King Cadaver's squashed by a dinosaur. <laughs> that was right. a good moment, too. But yeah, this yeah. was an exciting issue. I just loved it. This is definitely the climax, my favorite issue. Um, and it, it doesn't disappoint. There's so much going on, and it's so much fun. And in the midst of it, um, like Wakabi is in the hospital, and he he's just watching this destruction from his hospital room with his family so much goes on yeah i mean i i love that uh that page the double page spread but uh you know the the panels at the bottom show wakabi getting out of bed and then going to his his wife and sons by the window yeah <laughs> it's, it's just really great how that's done yeah it's very nice yeah and at the end yeah that's it uh the final page is just Kimonger going off the cliff and of course nobody so you don't know if he dies or not but we assume that he's dead. And that panel has an upside-down panther head with the, the image of Killmonger falling off the cliff kind of embedded in, in the shadows of the face, which is really cool. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, it ends on a nice note where the panther and, and the, the boy Cantu kind of walk back to the village and comfort each other as they, as they walk away. 
right and also the the last line in um uh, in this issue the war has ended and the only survivors are victims themselves <laughs> yes yeah. right i mean th- this i guess would have been written during the i guess towards the end of the the vietnam war and mm, stuff so yeah. I'm, I'm sure he pulled on some of that kind of stuff as inspiration but sure definitely a subtext going on there yeah i didn't think about that yeah huh wow well why don't you take us through the next one so number 18 uh titled epilogue and wakanda is rebuilding after the battle and black panther and wakabi go to investigate the deaths of two hunters and Wakabi now has a uh, artificial arm. Yeah, his injuries were that bad. I didn't even like. I think he just got smacked on the head with the butt of a gun. I went back and looked, yeah. and I don't understand how he lost his arm from that, but he did. Well, um, I I think they show that the the hospital he was in was you know destroyed, trampled by one of the dinosaurs. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure he had a really bad concussion and then also a hospital fell on him yes <laughs> so but anyways they fight these two villains by the names of madam slay and mute who were part of killmonger's group but they i guess didn't participate in the battle at all and now they're looking for revenge did it say that uh, Lady Slay was, or Madam Slay, was a lover of his or something like that? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think it did. I'm not sure where exactly. Well, probably, I mean, she does give a big speech. Page 269 is probably on there somewhere. Yeah, and she has some leopards that take uh, <laughs> take Black Panther. You know, he gets tied up on the leopards and they run him you know, through the through the desert and he gets all torn up again and Black Panther's always getting really beat up. <laughs> How many costumes has he lost in this one book? Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's gotta have a closet full of them. Yeah. So this issue has Bob McCloud doing the inks. It's the first one that he's inking. And um I think you can tell right away that there is uh just a little bit more of a solid foundation in the in just the world and the shadows. Um, especially when you compare it to Billy Graham. Billy Graham was a little bit looser, um, but Bob McCloud tightens him up. You were inking for Billy Graham on Jungle Action. That was my very first inking assignment uh, as a regular series uh, working with Billy Graham. What was Billy Graham like? Did you ever get to meet him? You know, it's kind of a funny funny story. Uh, Back five years before that, uh, I was 19 years old, trying to uh, think about starting my career as an artist. And I sent a little story idea, uh, pencils uh, inked with a ballpoint pen to Billy Graham at Warren. He was the art director at Warren uh, at the time. You know, the Warren magazines. Yeah, uh, like Vampirella. Uh, and very stuff. creepy and Vampirella and all this. And he sent me back this rejection letter <laughs> very polite, very, very nice, mm-hmm. um, uh, very quickly done. He didn't spend a lot of time on it, but he, uh, you know, pointed out things that I needed to do. And I was kind of uh, irritated that I got rejected because that 
was my first rejection. And um, up until that point, everybody in my whole life had been telling me what a great artist I was. You know, and <laughs> first time I tried to actually sell something, I get rejected. So yeah. it was it was a blow. And then next thing you know, uh, once I finally do start my career, my first job is uh, inking over Billy Graham. <laughs> That's so funny. And I didn't meet him, uh, unfortunately. I, I never got to meet him in person. Uh, but from everything I've heard, he was a very nice guy. Mm -hmm. And do you look back on that early work in Jungle Action and, uh, and you know, cringe a little bit at this, the same way that you look at your New Mutant stuff? Yeah, but at the same time, um, I, I, was, I was lucky enough at that time to be able to learn on the job. Whereas today you have to kind of be at the top of your game just to get in the business. Yeah. At that time they were hungry for people to do the books because they were expanding the number of books and just needed artists. And I was lucky enough to be able to learn my craft while I was actually working on these books. So jungle action. Uh, I remember Klaus Janssen uh, telling me that he thought that was my, the first job that I did that was actually good <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and i agreed with it. i mean i was very excited about it because i thought it was now i'm finally figuring out how to ink you know I, i'm finally getting this this is also the issue where venom goes free and if you go to page 262 which is the one two three fourth page in this issue taku and venom have a little moment just before he gets on the plane and this is where i really feel like there is just some romantic tension in the air if there if you can read into that right yeah I, I i can see that the the one panel in the middle when they're uh taku's taking off his uh handcuffs yep. and there's like almost like stars yeah. looking type things in between them so yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I can definitely see that now and there's just a sense that it's like he's he's talking about freeing him from chains but i think he's also there could be a, just an underlying tone of freeing him from the way he views relationships because he is kind of you can put a double meaning into there right uh, and on the flip side chandra can take it no longer so she splits with the kids and takes off and leaves wakabi all by himself yeah that's kind of the end of their arc as well this is sort of the some of the fallout from uh, from the war. We talked about they talked about victims in the last one. They are definitely some victims of what all happened here. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I w needed to have this epilogue with Madame Slay. I think it was a little pointless to introduce characters that we had not seen yet in this stage in the game. But I did like yeah. all of the rest of the conclusion and wrapping things up. Yeah, I, I could have done without the action set piece. At this point in in the story, it, it could have just focused on the characters, but but that's yeah. not how the way comics were written. In fact, it's crazy that we got a thirteen part story. They just didn't do comics like this back back in the seventies. You'd have maybe two or three parts, but but thirteen parts. But thirteen, yeah. And that's why there's right. action in here because every issue needed to have some action. Yeah. But uh, nowadays, you write um, comic book writers write things with the trade paperbacks in mind with the collections in mind. So I remember when Ultimate Spider-Man first came out and I started collecting that, there was a big fight with Dr. Octopus. And then the last issue of that arc is issue 13 and Spider-Man and Mary Jane are just sitting in the bedroom. And the whole issue is just a conversation that they're having. And he tells her that he's Spider-Man. 
and there's yeah. no action at all. And I was like, wow, this right. is actually really, really great. But you would never <laughs> get an issue like that in the 70s. That That's true, yeah. But I, I've heard some people call this uh, Panther's Rage story like the first graphic novel. Yeah, well, for Marvel at least, yeah. There's definitely right, that right. sense of these are just the actual chapters in a large story. Um, the the long format storytelling, it definitely shows off here. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's great because even little characters have have arcs. Because you have time for it. Because you have the space and ability to tell those stories when you have a 13-issue storyline. Right. But I mean, it's 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 kind of amazing like you know you read it and then you sit back and, and think about what they what they did and it's pretty pretty epic i, I i'd say it is <laughs> with, it's with very epic story. Yeah. yep yeah. they did a yeah dung mcgregor i think does uh does deserve a lot of the praise that he is gets for this book it's just it's it is revolutionary for its time in terms of its storytelling and uh in terms of its content they did a lot yeah. he did a lot it's it's really good. Yeah, so I'm glad this collection yeah. exists and that it, it is out now. And I'm also glad that the Black Panther movie is doing incredibly well. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we should keep on going because we're not finished through this book. There's actually a few more issues left. That's true. <laughs> so let's start the next storyline, Black Panther versus the Clan. This is Jungle Action number 19, and it's called Blood and Sacrifices. And uh, in this one, it took me a little bit of time to figure out that uh, what the actual timeline is here. Black Panther and Monica are back in the United States because Monica is visiting the grave of her sister, Angela. And I guess they don't tell us this. They make us work for this information. But uh, Angela had, before this issue, had killed herself. And I guess they're coming back for the funeral or something like that. Uh, Monica is in the the graveyard at night. Black Panther is watching her from the from the treetops, and luckily he is because she gets attacked by a group of hooded figures who are clad in purple and blue. And um, Black Panther saves her, and they meet this other guy, a reporter whose name is Trueblood. Kevin Trueblood, is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and then they try to get these guys arrested, but the sheriff just kind of shrugs them off and, and doesn't really do anything about it. I guess he places them in, in their holding cell or something like that. But then, meanwhile, back at home, they go back to Monica's home, and the home is um, attacked by guys in white hoods. And apparently they, this is the clan, and the other guys in blue and purple are called the Dragon Circle, and they're, they don't seem to know each other but they're both after Monica for some reason. Yeah. And that kind of wraps it up. There's a, there's a lot in this issue that goes on here. Um, we meet a bunch of new characters, and it is just, yeah, it's the start to a new story. I mean, it's kind of interesting that the, was it the Dragon Circle? Yep. One of those hooded figures at the beginning is, is a black guy. Right. I mean, that, that's kind of interesting and, and never really explained. Yeah, and Black Panther even makes a, a note of it. He's like, see this guy's color? I don't think that they're associated with the clan because they wouldn't let this guy in. Right. We're not exactly it's, sure. This is the mystery. Intriguing. Yep, yeah. this is the mystery. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. well, why don't we move on to the next one? Okay. Issue 20 called They Told Me a Myth I Wanted to Believe. 
and uh, Black Panther and Monica go to the grocery store and, you know, it's he's in the Black Panther costume, which <laughs> is <laughs> yeah. kind of weird. Stands out a little bit. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But anyways, there are two clan members there or I think they're clan members. I'm not. They're not in their costumes. Right. I mean, I'm just saying I'm not sure which clan they were a part of, you know. If if it's if there would have been in white or in purple and blue, right. Uh, anyways, they they attack Monica, you know, threaten her with a knife. Black Panther fights them off, and then the cops show up and proceed to to beat Black Panther, you know, for not standing down and doing answering their questions and all that. But then. Afterwards, the Black Panther goes to a, a clan rally and he's, you know, jumps in and starts fighting all of them. But he, he gets overwhelmed and eventually they tie him up to a cross and start burning it. And, yeah. and that's where the issue ends. <laughs> this is the guy that wrestled a rhinoceros to the ground and overtook a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And he was overcome by these goons and hoods I, right but i mean it's for the sake of the story so it had to happen but i would have liked to see him <laughs> you know defend himself a little bit more but there's some cool yeah. splash pages or not splash pages but some really cool panels of the battle um just with right. the the burning crosses in the background and a lot of shadows and stuff at, at play looks really good yeah and 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 also with this uh panel layout they they have you know those big panels in the middle of the page with him fighting the clan but then on the top and bottom there's uh it's monica and kevin trueblood talking and you know he really gets into a the speech about uh all that's wrong with the world and how he's you know trying to be a moral man but society's not really it, it's not really working the way that it should yeah yeah he he struggles so I, I feel like the main point of this story is about complacency. And uh, because we have the sheriff character and we have Kevin Trueblood and we have Lloyd Lynn, which is uh, Monica's father. And they all have kind of a different point of view uh, toward what's going on just with, with um, towards the clan. The, the sheriff, he knows he's fully aware of what the problem is. But he doesn't. He's not willing to do anything about it. He doesn't want to get involved. He he. The only reason he threw them in the holding cell was because he they were brought to him. But I think he said then they were just they were released on bail like the next day or something like that. Yeah. Um. I don't know if he's afraid of them or what, but he understands the issue, but just doesn't want to do it. So he he. I think the sheriff is a metaphor uh, for complacency. And then Lloyd Lynn who is black and one of the a potential victim of this group, this uh, white power group, he's also being complacent because he's like, well, we can't change the world. Might as well not stand up or get involved because nothing is going to happen. And then we have Monica's character and Kevin's character who are the ones who are rising up against complacency and actually willing to go in there and do something to to stop racism and to stop to stop all of the hurt that's going on here. So I think the real point of the story here 
is Don McGregor trying to tell the general public that, yeah, this is not okay, and we shouldn't sit back and and just let it happen. Yeah, and this issue in, in particular really, you know, it, it really hit me with that. Just in in the fact that the, you know, the, the scene at the grocery store when the cops show up and, and start beating on Black Panther without getting what the story was like what yeah. what things were happening and mm-hmm. yeah is that the, is this a parallel to like we still see this today where the cops rush in and they take out the black guy even if that black guy has nothing to do with it yeah so they like yeah. they see the mask in this one there's an allegory going on there and this this comic was written you know 40 little over 40 years ago and it's that is still absolutely the case <laughs> yeah you know, it it really holds up, and it really, I think, still reflect reflects what's going on in the U.S. to a certain extent. Yep. Even now, you know, with the, I don't know, the yeah, with all <laughs> the, the the school shootings that are happening and all this right. kind of stuff. Yeah, all of the it's it's still relevant, and it's too bad that society hasn't uh, progressed as far as we want it to, but. Um, but then Marvel still puts out these collections to, to influence a um, you know a new generation of people. So hopefully it's, hopefully people will read this and get something out of it. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I, I think this collection should be like required reading for, you know, Marvel fans. Yeah. Or maybe it could even be taught in schools. Yeah, I could see Maybe. that. Yeah. Yep, as a good discussion piece. I think that there's a there could be a time and a place for that for sure. Except for the fact yeah. that it has a terrible conclusion. <laughs> so the, let's, that is true. <laughs> let's get on let's get on with the story here and um go on to the next issue, which is number twenty one. It's called Across Burning Darkly, Blackening the Night. This is uh, part two no, part three of this story. Panther is being crucified. Uh, on a burning cross and this is um, very very powerful imagery Um, he manages to escape remarkably um, but is badly badly injured badly burned and has to spend a couple weeks in the hospital which I think is a short amount of time except we know that Panther heals quickly especially based on all of the injuries that are happening in this book (laughs) right (laughs) um and i think it has something to do with the the ritual that he goes through twice a year yeah yeah absolutely um but anyway so yeah he escapes from the burning cross and then he and monica and kevin all go and attend um, a clan rally and this is where we actually hear from the clan's mouth uh, what what their stance on, in the world is, um, how they don't like black people coming in and taking all their jobs and all this kind of stuff. Um, they need to get out of out of here. And I was wondering if they were going to be that specific, um, because they've kind of in the first two issues kind of dance around all of those topics. But no, they kind of lay it all right out um, in this little rally here. So that's that's kind of cool. Yeah, the the rally goes sour because. Kevin and and the people start confronting them and uh, someone's going to shoot Black Panther and uh, Lloyd Lynn saves the day by throwing a deck of cards in the shooter's face and and destroys his aim so Panther is saved so I thought that was kind of a a good moment he 
um, Lloyd Lynn is not complacent anymore. He's, he actually got involved and is going to make a stand. Yeah. But before this, like every time you see Lloyd, he's always playing cards. <laughs> so it, it was absolutely set up. <laughs> it was completely set up. Yep. Yeah. The one point where, uh, Monica and Kevin are, are driving out into the, to, to find Black Panther and, you know, his, Kevin's windshield is still broken. And it just, he, he says, he's, he's talking about how the, the shop owner says that his car is an odd size and it'll take, only take a couple more weeks to get a, a new windshield in. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I know that kind of stuff happens. <laughs> the clan people are the mechanics. And they know right. that Kevin's palling around with these black guys, so they kind of right. They're not going to help put things out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, yeah, and that can... was just kind of a little side conversation. They didn't even put much emphasis on it, but yeah, that's exactly what was going on there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Twenty-two. It's called uh, "Death Riders on the Horizon," and it. This is a weird issue. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mama Lynn. Um... Not sure what her, uh, Jessica. her name was. I don't think Jessica. Yeah, she tells the tragic story of Caleb, a freed slave after the Civil War, and Monica imagines what it would have been like if Black Panther was there to to help him. You know, like how things would yep. have been different. Yeah, it's very so strange. It, yeah, yeah. So it, it's like one page will be. You know, this this is the story of what ha- actually happened to the guy. And then the next page is like, hey, here's Black Panther there to save the day when, when he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, and I like the way they set it up with the parallel pages. And like on page 344, 345, uh, at the top of the page, you see uh, Lynn's mom's eyes. And then below that is her story. And then on the other page, you see Monica's eyes and then her version with uh, Black Panther inserted into the story and all the panels um, kind of wavy and, and jagged a little bit to show that this is um, this is an imaginary story, whereas yeah. the other one is the real story. Right, and it's, it's yeah, very angular panels. and yep. Yeah. Yeah, and then we also have a villain called the Soul Strangler, and um, he's the one in, in the year 1867 who is... Um, I don't know if he's like the leader of the clan back then or something like that, but he's definitely one who's uh, taking out a lot of the black people in the community. Right. So I think that this is uh, an interesting story because Monica does what a lot of a lot of us do with comics, because comics are a form of escapism. A lot of times, I like th- we read these comics to get away from the real world and to imagine larger than life people coming in and helping us and i think like superman during world war ii was one of those people that people used to to imagine a better world superman coming in taking out hitler or whatever and you know captain america is the same way and yeah and monica is using a black panther in the same way to to imagine a better just a better world with with these heroes that are in here yeah yeah she has a, a line at, at the end of the issue. Um, Everything's so much simpler in fantasy. People be, can be uh, such clear-cut symbols. Yeah, that that's <laughs> that's true. I mean, I'm sure everyone would would like life to be as simple as 
as what you know what you read in comic books or or whatever but it's rarely is yeah and which is what's good about this story because we find out what kind of like monica definitely tells a story of what we would typically find in a comic book but then it's shown with the harsh reality of what actually went on um i mean with with a person with a skull face but you know beside that's beside the point (laughs) well uh, i i think he only has the skull face in the Oh, you're right. In Monica's in version, Monica's it, yeah, yep. version, yeah. Huh. But <laughs> okay, well, let's move along here. I want to. We're. I think we've passed the two-hour mark, so I want to make sure that we wrap up pretty quickly here. Um, oh yeah. yeah issue no <laughs> issue twenty-three is a reprint issue, and the cover is included in this collection. It's a cover by John Byrne. Um, but then the it says that it reprints Daredevil sixty-nine, which is. Um, of course, Black Panther's guest stars in that issue. So then we have issue 24, which is the last issue in this book, the conclusion to our story, the last issue of Jungle Action before it was canceled, and it is called Wind Eagle in Flight. And we come into the middle of an action. Black Panther is tied up to a water wheel and is going, being uh, sent under the water over and over again around in a circle. And then we get through a series of flashbacks. We find out how he got to that point. We also find out a little bit more about Monica's sister's suicide, which doesn't end up... Well, I guess we never really find out if this was an actual suicide or or what the deal was. Yeah, it very much seems like in, in this issue that it was uh, a murder. But, you know, it's not it's not resolved. <laughs> It's not resolved. Um, and then we also have this other character called Wind Eagle, who is after Black Panther for reasons that I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, they they fight. And then Black Panther gets tied up, and then he breaks free. And then he, he and Wind Eagle are about to face off against each other. And then the issue ends. So there are so many questions. Like, who killed... Angela Lynn, who is the Wind Eagle? Why is he there? And who who's the Dragon Clan? Um, or right. the what are they called? The Dragon Circle. Yeah, Dragon um, Circle. Yeah. <laughs> who who are they? Uh, what relationship right. do and, they have to the clan? And like, does Kevin and, publish and, his expose on on everything that's going on here? And 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 also, you know, the Dragon Circle guys. They keep mentioning this uh, this Reverend who's apparently right. telling them to do what they're doing and <laughs> i mean yeah. that that's it that, that i mean this that's the last does lloyd lynn ever win a game of solitaire like i really want to know <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh, you sent me a link that could explain some of this um can you tell me tell us a little bit about what you what you were reading about yeah i i found on CBR uh, comic book resources, you know, they have this column, uh, comic book legends revealed and talks about how was, was this series jungle action canceled uh, to make way for Jack Kirby to do his black Panther. I mean, which was, I guess, started two months after this final issue Yeah, was, yeah. So, you know, it was, it was kind of a big deal at the time. Jack Kirby was returning to Marvel after, several years at DC and 
yeah, and and he he took over Black Panther, I mean, and other titles, and he you know uh, created like the Eternals and uh, I'm not sure what else, but yeah, and he had a run on Captain America at this time too. But you know, in in the link, it talks about how Jungle Action had not been selling well, and you know it was. Uh, I guess only a matter of time and the Don McGregor and you know, the, the team, they missed the the deadline for issue 23. So issue 24 was supposed to be 23, but they didn't finish it in time. Yeah. So that's why they did a reprint. And I, I don't know. <laughs> I think some of that also might be that they got the word that it's going to be canceled. So they had to rewrite some of it. This is my hypothesis. Um, ah, yeah. to, to try and tie up a few loose ends or at least give it some sort of a little conclusion, which is why we get a very odd finale, which is it's kind of like an end of a story, but it's not really an end of a story. Uh, we make oh, some progress yeah. with Monica Lynn's, like they get the closure that it wasn't a suicide, but we don't get any more closure than that. Like I think that um, there might have been some compromises that had to be made. And in the bonus features in this book, we get... Uh, a few story pages from what Jungle Action number 25 was going to be. Uh, we get um, Rich Buckler's breakdowns, and th there was going to be dragons. <laughs> we would have had dragons. In this. But anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, so there is um, there is obviously a plan that didn't happen, and when I eventually get to talk to Don McGregor, I will definitely ask him about this, and hopefully we'll get some answers from him. Yeah, I, I really don't think Jack Kirby would have like demanded that the book be canceled. Yeah, he, he probably didn't. I, I think that, uh, and we've seen this before. We've heard stories of like, who was it? Doug Mensch, I think it was it was Doug Mensch was telling me that when he left Marvel and went over to DC, he was told that he could take any any book he wanted, and he chose Batman. And like, sure, Batman, you can have Batman. Right, but, but then Jerry Conway, Jerry was Conway yeah, and Jerry Conway got the boot. I think there's probably something like that. Like uh, Jack Kirby's like, well, I'd really like to do something with Black Panther. Oh, sure, of course, yeah, that one, that one's great. You can totally do something. We're canceling that, that book anyway for low sales or whatever. So, um, yeah. And then Don McGregor's like, what? You're doing what? <laughs> so right, right. <laughs> th that's uh, that's my guess. So there you go. Yeah. But we don't get a conclusion, and I don't know. I'm I'm guessing that Kirby doesn't use any of these elements in his story, which will be in Black Panther Epic Collection Volume 2 whenever that one is announced. I hope soon, because I'd like to read it. Yeah, yeah, I'd be... I'm very curious to read it, because... Yeah. I mean, I... I <laughs> and I really don't see Kirby, you know, picking up with the this clan storyline. No, not at all. It's, I don't huh. think it will have the same sort of realism or political nature to the storytelling, because... Jack Kirby is so full of fantasy that uh, that always dictates his stories. So it'll be a very different Black Panther when we get to Volume Two. Yeah. Well, any final thoughts, Jared? What do you uh, What do you think of this collection? I I, I mean I, I think this collection is is pretty great. It's uh, you know like I said before, I think it should be required reading. Yeah. And so any kids listening, you should you should pick this up and read it. Okay. <laughs> Except we spoiled if the ending for you already. Right, well. <laughs> <laughs> or the non-ending, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> or if you have any parents, 
uh, any parents out there, you could um, lend this book to your kids. I would say probably teenagers. It's not really appropriate, I think, for like eight-year-olds. But uh, um, right. <laughs> but yeah, if you have a preteen or a teen, I think these are important issues to discuss, and it, it's a it's a good way to introduce them to these concepts um, in an entertaining way that also really outlines it in a in a in a way that's easy to understand. Yeah. And then uh, they can. If you need further discussion, you can let them listen to this episode and hear us discuss it, and hopefully maybe that will give you a starting point to to introduce those conversations. Yeah. Well, the, we were supposed to talk about an X-Men volume the next time you were on the show, but then we decided to do this one instead. So is the next right. time you're going to be on the show, we're going to talk about X-Men? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, if that, that still works. I, I think, think so. We're going to talk about uh, Second Genesis the rebirth of X-Men in the 70s, um, which is right. about the same time as this collection came out. I think 75, right? Yeah, yeah, that started in 75, and this is, I guess this collection ends in 76. So, so yeah, <laughs> we'll have some more 70s Marvel next time we're talking, and I will have, right. hopefully I will have a nice interview with Chris Claremont talking about this, that era of X-Men, bringing them back into the fold. Yeah, great. sounds good. Awesome, well... Thanks for joining us today, Jared, and all of you who are listening there, and we will see you next time. Take care.